So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. And today's episode is actually a recording taken from another show I did called Right Here, Right Now with Gary Turner. Now, Gary is a great guy. He's actually been on the Quality of Mind podcast before, but this was him interviewing me in his new format, which is just to ask them what's in their mind right now. So I hope you enjoy this and look forward to catching up with you next time. Hello, 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 and welcome to the new episode of Right Here, Right Now Live with, oh my God, an amazing human being, Mr. Piers Thurston. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Gary, uh, I'm very well and absolute pleasure to be involved in your newest venture. I love seeing what's going to unfold from the Gary Turner stable. So yeah, pleasure to be here, Gary. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much for coming along, mate. And I'm sure for anyone that doesn't know me, like Piers has been quite involved in some pretty serious realizations for me in recent um, years, which will probably pop up with at some point during this conversation. But right here, right now, Piers, in this moment, what's on your heart and mind? Huh. Such a wonderful question. And it's a question that actually can really stimulate the conceptual mind to come up with all sorts of like, what is on my heart and mind right now? You know, it's very easy to get in your head about that question, isn't it? It's a real, ooh, as if there should be something on my heart and mind or what should there be on my heart and mind? But, but really, I suppose if I get rid of the noise, the thing that's on my heart and mind is how can I be of service? right now, right now to, to whoever is to Gary or to anyone listening or to people who aren't even listening, but how can I be of service? What, what can I do in this period of time? That's really good. That, that, that's beautiful, Piers. And that, that's really cool. How can he be of service? Yeah. Mm. You, you didn't sound, you didn't sound too much in your head then, Piers, to be fair. So, well, you know, I, I there's, there's nothing on my heart and mind that I knew of apart from then lots of thoughts popped in for that four seconds. And then I was like, well, that's not what, what's really on my heart and mind. My heart and mind really is how can, you know, here we are live broadcasting, whether that people are listening live or whether they're listening in a week's time or a month's time, almost just vibing out there, what would be a value? What would be just open up to that? I suppose really. I have a bunch of stuff I can always say that sits in the back of my mind that I wonder about this society and world. I can always dive into those if we need to, that there's always usually something that for a while is in my conceptual mind banks about that. So we can go there if nothing comes up. But the first thing that I thought was, well, let's just see. It's, it's really, what's really cool is that I think for anyone that's watching and that there might be other people watching us live now, whether it be on, you know, Facebook, YouTube, or LinkedIn peers, would you mind just, again, without trying to go too concept per se, but it's interesting. Someone might be going conceptual mind, like conceptual mind, what's he on about? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. So I suppose the way I'd say it, Gary, is that we, it's like what's happened for us as human beings is when we're tiny babies and before, we don't really have the idea of, of, of an intellectual, personal, conceptual mind. If you look at a tiny baby, they just are. They, they are. They, they, I don't even think they see a separation between the world and them. They just, they just are. And then they don't even have a self. They don't even have a me. So we then develop this, all these kind of, you could call it knowledge, these ways of categorizing the world, language, concepts. We thingify stuff, including me, right? So here's me. I'm now a me. I'm now a Piers or I'm a Gary. And there's a world and then there's a me. So they're like a separation starts to occur. And the conceptual mind is, is the bit I label as a sort of the bit of us that likes to make sense of things, have a narrative, have a story, have a judgment, have a categorization defined by language usually. Thingifies something from just something that just is to something that's a thing, right? So, you know, whether it's, it's success, happiness, being it even gets thingified, you know, me gets thingified and this thinking faculty that we have, which is useful to navigate the world because without it, we, you know, we, we, there, there'd be disorder, I guess, just starts to creep in. And then before we know it, it starts running the show. And then all these narratives and justifications and things that the mind's created, we forget are just slightly made up and we start thinking they are actually are what the world is. And they're not what the world is. There's no objective truth to what the world is. So they're definitely not our narratives, right? So we, we use them as a useful way of framework to navigate, but we think they are true. Mm. But they're not true. They're real for us, but they're not true. So I don't know whether that helps answer the question what the conceptual mind is. <laughs> I, I, I think it's brilliant. And, and, and again, it's, it, it's not about right or wrong or anything. It's actually just exploring, which is what you do brilliantly for me, Piers, and how I learned from you so much a couple of years ago. And I, I like to bring this to like, try and bring it to life with different examples. One of my favorites are, are borders. Like when you go through passport control, it's a very real experience. There's something that says passport control. You're entering the UK, mm. but that border doesn't really exist. Not, and not in terms of that being a border, as in you're not going from one country to another one, really. You're just, just like a massive landmass. Well, a country so we, is, a, is a concept. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. A country is a concept. Uh, a nationality is a concept. The color of your skin is a concept because color is a concept. Right. So that's it. They're all, you can tell us things a concept or not because it has an opposite or has a, has something that isn't it. So anything that has an, isn't it or an opposite is a concept. So you, you can be white and black. You can be man and woman. You can be, so they're all concepts. Look, I'm not saying some of them aren't helpful, right? I fancy an avocado, not an apple, right? So I'm not saying they're not help. They're not all bad, but we just need to know what they are and not think they're something true. So, so how, how does this help? Cause. I'm just fascinated. Like every time I sort of meet up with you and have a conversation, I always go down different rabbit holes and curiosities on 
like trying to like, there's a great term in business at the moment. Like, how do we operationalize this quality of mind thing that Piers is talking about? Like, how do you help? How do you, you back to where we started this conversation in that in, on your heart and mind was how can you be of service? So how are you of service when you are supporting people? What is the experience that people are going through when working with peers? Yeah, I might answer that at two levels, the kind of profound way, then the practical way. Mm-hmm. So at a profound way of describing it would be people wake up, I'd use that language, discover what they are, what they truly are. And, and I don't mean, oh, I get to be the best version of Piers or the best version of Gary. I, I, I don't mean what the best self is. I mean, we get to see, recognize, realize, respect that we are just a fractal of universal consciousness, which is full of love and oneness, right? So that, that's the profound bit that probably sounds trite and the odd person might go, oh, I get that. But most of you might go, what? So let's go to the other part, which is the practical part. What does that mean? Well, it means your well-being and sense of peace of mind are not conditional on anything going on in the world. So the thing that we're all seeking really, Gary, the self is seeking is a sense of happiness, well-being, peace of mind, whatever you want to describe it. And we start to recognize we have that regardless, which is a game changer. Even more practically, because I work with businesses mainly, you start to get greater levels of flow, performance, resilience, creativity, clarity, connection, perspective, agility, all the things that a business in its engine needs from its people. Whether you're a direct people business or whether you make something, it's all human. So all of those, you know, the performance, the, the resourcefulness, the, the, the ambiguity, the resilience, all of those things come online too, but they don't come online in a, oh, I've now got five techniques to help me be more resilient or help me be more creative or help me brainstorm in, you know, that, that they, they come online because in our essence, when we're not overly bossed around by our conceptual mind, that's what we are. And there's a beautiful, beautiful blend, fusion and dance between your learned conceptual mind, the thing I was telling you about before, Mm -hmm. which has maybe some knowledge and technical expertise of your work area and that impersonal, infinite resourcefulness, creativity and resilience. So I'll explain it with, with sport. You might watch a, a Federer play tennis or Messi play football or whatever. And there'd be lots of things that they've learned how to do because they, they're physically fit. They know how football or tennis works. They've got muscle memory. And then there's moments when they just do that thing and you go, whoa, whoa, inspired. There's that moment when, they, when something happens in the game. Um, or the guy that did the goal against Scotland, was it when he whacked it from halfway? I can't remember, was he the Czech Republic or Croatian guy? And everyone in the crowd just goes, whoa, right? In that moment, he's lost himself, himself has gone. He's just in the flow of whatever you want to call it, consciousness universe. And we, as the audience spectators, recognize that because we are that too. 
Mm. And that's why we get that. Oh, oh, and that's why we watch these sports, really, because we're recognizing that coming through other people, right? So that's and that flow can happen in business. It's, it's less spectacular in business, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when you've been in that meeting where you just had a beautiful connection with someone and you've just been talking about something and, and the clarity has just emerged and you're like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And there's just a bit of mojo in the room or yourself. And you're like, yeah, we know what we can do what, what, you know, it doesn't matter what the market's up to in terms of, oh, it's all hard. You know, you just, that comes through you. Now, when you're in that space in business, wow, it's beautiful compared to the grind that most of us have experienced in business. It's a guy, I can't remember the question, but that was the answer. <laughs> in that moment, that was the answer. Yeah. It's no, it's, but I love this. I love the example that you shared of the, I really love how you've sort of pointed to that. Yeah. The, the wonder, the wonder of that goal of seeing that goal of experiencing even through a screen, that goal was the recognition that I've got that in me as well. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful, you know, it's not it, 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 that, that watching that goal didn't cause the watcher to go, oh, it's amazing. It was almost like, a, like I said, there's an internal recognition that I am that as well. Yes. And a recognition beyond the self. So whether that's in music, opera, dance, ballet, uh, and it doesn't matter what the music is or in art or in nature, you, you see, uh, I, I've, I love sunsets I just, or earth tilts to be more accurate. I, I, I love those, right? I can just stand there and like, oh, or, or Nate, you know, you just reckon it's the bit before the eye, the self that's recognizing something. Yeah. And it, and it's so lovely. And the, and the irony is the paradox is Gary, that we. We do lots of things in the world to try and seek that feeling. We get seduced by that feeling, not noticing the very foundational thing that it's in every moment. It's behind before every moment. We don't need to be going up to the top of Mount Everest to get it. We don't need to be an elite sports person to get it at all. We, you know, it's so ordinary, the space before thought. It's an ordinary miracle there right now. It's, it, 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 it's so interesting for you because I, I always come back to that experience I had on day two of the retreat I did with you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it will stay with me as a memory, you know, but it was something that was embodied, right? And this is something I'm thinking about thinking, seeing about a lot at the moment is <sighs> What happened on that day two of that retreat was where I realized for myself in a moment of peace, you know, not, not overthinking, just literally in that garden on day two of the retreat that you led. And I just had this pop that, ah, when I burnt myself out, it wasn't actually that boss that was aggressing me, or it wasn't that person telling me X, Y, or Z. It was actually, I just, yeah, I just revved up too much. I just went a little bit haywire in my own mind. I just started telling myself, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. And it's like, in that moment, all of that was gone. And I just went, oh, right. Oh, it wasn't that outside person that did that to me. That's really interesting. And it, that for me was that ordinary miracle in that moment. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of it because when you're in that infinite, 
that moment before the finite. So thought is finite. Space before thought infinite. When you're in that, there is no knowing at a conceptual level of what will turn up, right? And, and beautifully. And yet there's a wisdom in, in the healing that, or revitalization that can happen. So, you know, here you are sitting in this thing and this thought pops into your mind about something that happened some months ago, sort of dissolving that in you. So it's no longer a burden for yourself. Right. So, so the wisdom of what comes through, I, I always find it's fascinating on when I'm doing working with clients, when they do touch that space, what turns up for them. And it, and it often is not something we've taught. It's not like, you know, oh, we just spent the last half day talking about the subject that comes up for them. It can be something, you know, one guy we had, he, he had a, had a realization about a motorbike crash. He had 15 years before and the pain he was feeling. And that went, we hadn't even talked about pain people going vegetarian, you know, and it's not like we go, oh, you should be vegetarian. It's just the wisdom that, or the healing or the something that can come through when you touch that space, space before thought, whatever you want to call it. Right. It's just so fascinating, you know, and it's not really what turns up is the fascinating bit. It's the fact that it can, <laughs> it's the capacity for us to do that is the real superpower. So yeah, what a lovely thing for Gary to have some realizations about his burnout. Great. Brilliant for your life, Gary. But whoa, whoa, whoa. The even bigger superpower isn't that that happened. It's that that can happen. It's the capacity that we have for that. Because that's universal. That's for anyone about anything in any moment. What's really interesting, and I don't know, I'd love your, your, your comments and thoughts on this, and again, without trying to get too conceptual, Yeah. what I feel, well, what I know actually in my body is that since we had that, since I had that experience on that retreat with you, it doesn't happen often, but I recognize, and I've had that experience more often since the very first time I experienced it. So yeah. th th there's many more realizations that I've had a var varying significance to me and whatever I think significant is, but that, like, you know, that, that has happened a lot more often when I had never experienced it until that time. Well, that's probably because you're starting to realize and lean into that. I mean, I remember a lovely thing you said, like, I'm going to paraphrase, you know, go and get the words all wrong, but you said something like. I didn't realize I was spiritual or something. Was it, was that what you said? That's pretty close. That's yeah. pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, you didn't recognize that that's what you are. And not just you, Gary, but all, you, you know, every one of us It is, you know, uh, it's not like the Buddha or Gandhi is closer to God than you or I or anyone else. We're all the same. We're all made of the same stuff. And we, we don't recognize that that's our essence. Right now, if we don't recognize that's our essence, we are shutting down innocently and invisibly our capacity to, we're not completely shutting it down because it's still going to come through. Right. Which is why we, we, we do okay generally. Right. But we're, we're reducing the aperture to what you're now des describing you, you experience more often, right? Because you're respecting that you're realizing that you're leaning into that. Whereas before you were innocently leaning into your conceptual mind. And that's a different kind of intelligence, conceptual mind It's quite limited. It's specific and a, a useful faculty sometimes, right? Not, not, 
you know, but it's not the universal deep intelligence that we're talking about. And, and what's interesting for me with all of this is that I know how often I stay in the conceptual mind. <laughs> like, like, if it is fascinating, you know, you know, I talk about vulnerability. It's something that I'm really passionate about, even though I know that's not, you know, that's still a concept, but it's a concept that I personally have found helpful to almost as a stepping stone, depending on who I'm with to get more towards the universal concept. So it's, it's, it's always, our friend Helen would talk about it as like indirect path and direct path. Yeah. And so, so there's no right or wrong in any of this. It's just a case of, do you want to go direct to source or actually do, does someone like nobody needs to go indirectly, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. You've probably got a challenge around that. <laughs> no, I, no I, I, I get it because well, there's two things we, we, we don't, there is a direct path, indirect path, which I'll come to, but we don't want to also vilify the finite self, the conceptual mind, right? Because it's, there, there is some fields in spiritual spiritualness where it's all about sort of complete and utter devoiding yourself of the self like the self is bad go up that mountain and do not come back until the self's gone right i'm slightly generalizing but you, you know what i mean right and and any idea of a self which, yeah. which resists or seats is a bad thing right no I, I i i'm too lazy for that i'm far too lazy and human for that to be my my setup so we have this learnt self, which gives us our flavor, the Gary flavor, the Piers flavor, the whatever flavor it's, it's our flavor, right? You know, that, that, that's, that's what I am. And that's what you are. Right. And almost in a way, this is the interesting thing that when we recognize that's not who we truly are, we kind of become more us and less us. That makes sense. So you're more expressive as what you are, Gary. Right. At some moments you'll just be more Gary. You'll just be true Gary. Right. We, we, you know, but also you're less bossed around by the egoic self that is Gary. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't buy into your narratives. You know, you have narratives and activity of consciousness. They're not who you are. They're not entities. Right. So you, it, it's beautiful because you, because some people think, well, I'm going to lose who I am if I carry on this evolution into spirituality, I'm going to become this kind of homogenous, enlightened nothing. No, it doesn't seem to be like that. You've just become a less, a more expressive, less shackled version, but you're not lost around by your conceptual self. So let me come to it. So that's the one part. And then the second part about direct path, indirect path. Well, that's interesting because I've definitely taken the indirect path over the last 20 years, bounced around from kind of a bit of started off in sort of psychoanalysis, transactional analysis. Then I got into positive psychology, NLP, then a bit kind of went into energy stuff and hypno, then got into lots of the tools and techniques and then came across in about 2008, 2009, a slightly psychological version of spirituality. And then sort of in the last four to five, 10 years, I've got more into the spiritual, spiritual, bridging it back to psychology. So. I've got all around the, the houses, but what's fascinating now is what do I share with my clients? Well, I, I give them the full balls out kind of direct path. And it is just spectacular when in two or three days, someone gets, not there's anywhere to get to, you're always halfway up an invisible ladder, but gets where it took me about 15 years. I'm like, huh, you know, and it's, there's no, you can't really get it or get anywhere, but you know what I mean? It's just. So to me, the direct path feels appropriate now. 
and relevant. That's just what I see because yes, sometimes we need those conceptual stepping stones, not a problem, but as long as we know the concession we're making on the way, that's all. And we know where we're heading, that's all. And it's not, you know, again, it's not vilifying the self. So yeah, there's a double answer to your question, Gary. No, 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 but it's, it's really, it's really, I really appreciate you also speaking to that sort of, always my words, not anybody else's, but almost that risk of spiritual bypassing sort of like, you know, it's a, I, I, I see that pop up in a number of different areas on occasion. It's just like, actually, you know, there's no right or wrong here. It's just experience in the moment. And it's like, what is yours? Yeah. You ask my kids, I'm not enlightened. You ask my kids, right? You know? Is daddy always zen and peaceful? No, right? <laughs> uh, but also if you ask them, does that matter? I think they'd say no. Yeah, nice. You know, so, because actually we, we, we bump through together. Yeah, and, and that's, that's joy. I mean, that's the joy of being human, isn't it? Because cause what it, what, what's lovely, isn't it, is to have the full gamut of the human experience, right? The full range of sentience that we can have or emotions you want to call them that you know that we can have the the the, the ebbs and the flows the contact of life and not run away from that and protect ourselves there's a there's a, some school of resilience where you kind of set yourself so you just put parameters around your life so you never expose yourself to anything you know I, i'm just like well if you know what life's made of real but not trueness of it you can have a full-on experience of it and it will get you in the moment, but it, but you're, but it won't get you, it won't do it. It won't damage you. Yeah, well, we, we are at the eye, the true self, we are damageable. We, you cannot break what we truly are. It's impossible, right? So yes, we can have feelings, thoughts, perceptions, and sensations that we would go, I don't like those, or I don't like those. But that is not damaging what we truly are. You, you can't. Whatever, whatever's happened. Now, it can appear, <laughs> it can appear that you can. It can appear that someone is damaged. You can, it, can be, it can appear that someone has no capacity for mental health. It's not, I, I don't see that as true. And that's not wishful thinking. That It just feels like that's not true. And I don't see that as true. So that's nice. It's nice to know. <laughs> it's the, the thing I love is like, like I've spoken to you a number of times since I first came on your retreat, Piers, and I, I sort of, it's always a brilliant exploration because I say like, I'm, I'm always falling into my conceptual mind so often, and it's like, like you, you, it's you, you're, you're so. I don't know. You're just, just, you're just a wanderer. And I just really appreciate that about you. You're just like, you're, you're always curious, always wandering. Like you're never, ever judging. I never hear you judging in any of the, any of any way that you communicate, not with me anyway, about the work that you're doing. Well, I, I, I have moments of it. Of course I have moments of it, but I think I probably recognize it as a, a bit more of what I call a contracted aperture. So I don't take it too seriously. So I, I, I sometimes have fun with it. Right. So I, I can, this is a game my kids and I do sometimes we, we, we did this game when we were, when we were in lockdown, we were allowed, to, I was allowed to drive them between their, their mum and me. And 
and you, at one point it wasn't meant to be any other cars on the road. And we used to play the game with why is that person in their car, right? They shouldn't be all about judgment or we'll watch a reality TV show like you know, the island or SAS tough enough. And we make up stories of judging the people, right? Oh, well, I bet that, they, you know, now as a piece of fun, knowing that the mind can be creative around judgment, that's cool. It's kind of fun, right? As long as you know, it's not true. You just like, if you were in a game, you know, oh, I wonder whether that's that. So I think I now see my judgments as more, huh? Okay. Uh, let's check out what I, I'm judging there rather than, well, that's the case. Do you see what I mean? So I still have them, but I try, there will be some, I'm sure I don't spot, but I, there'd be some, I just like, oh yeah, look, I'm, I'm judging that situation. Do you know really interesting period? Like you are my, I don't know if this, I don't know if it's a numerology or not, but you're my 17th, that's <laughs> not this new show, whatever that means to you. But the reason I'm sharing it is I'm seeing and I'm feeling, not just thinking, I'm feeling the direction of each of these 17 conversations, for whatever reason, are coming back to love and coming back to play. Like they are the two common themes that are without yeah. doubt the commonality of if you if you walk if you sort of weave the thread through all of these seventeen conversations, play and love are the two things that are really really bedrocks. It's fascinating, so fascinating, but it shouldn't be fascinating because it should be obvious. <laughs> well, I think no, but I think what's fascinating is, you know, if you were to describe a two year old or a one year old, what do they have in abundance? Love and play. Yeah. Right. Love and play. If you look at what just seems to ooze out of us when we're in a, I use my language, you know, an expanded aperture, love and play. Right. But by play, I mean, I don't just mean playing a game. I mean, just like creation and, and just, yeah. you know, right. And, and by love, I don't just mean intimate romantic love, but just understanding compassion, you know, so the, so the wider sense of both those two words, mm -hmm. right? they seem to be innate in, in, in the eye that we are, right. They seem to be innate. And I think one of the fascinating things that you can spot is when we when you're looking at something we're doing an activity we're doing or a behavior or a thought or whatever is a very simple question. Is it going towards love and play or coming from love and play? Yeah. And it's just a nice little reflective question to ask yourself, because sometimes we think because we're heading towards love and play, all right, well, that, that, that's, that's, you know, same thing. They're not, they're different. I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm just saying they're different because one's coming from seeking, suffering and resistance, trying to get towards love and play. Mm -hmm. You could get us better than going towards hate. Well, possibly, but it's. Just differentiate that between coming from the space of then going towards it. <laughs> right. I, I, this made up right commitment to like, I'm looking <laughs> whatever time is right. They talk so about time being expansive, 32 minutes, you've been been on here. Have we? Yeah, and you're like, that does not feel like whatever we feel 32 minutes. No, I, I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised by that. <laughs>
it's brilliant. So I'm only saying that because I do unfortunately have to move to wrapping up, but what, what are you working on at the moment? Is there ways, you know, what's your invitation to people? If they're curious about this, I'll pop your website up again. You know, what sort of courses are you offering? Are you still do open courses? Is it just one-to-one? -one? Give a, give a bit of a view. Yeah. So the open course that you came on, Gary, we actually did a face-to-face -face one in June. Woohoo! Cool. Uh, which is nice, lovely to be that. So we, we do the ocean, a three-day program, mainly for business folk, but it has a bit of flexibility on that. Do the one-to-one, -one, of course, one-to-one -one coaching, quality of mind coaching, and then working with organizations, leaders, teams to help them see how the understanding of quality of mind could be useful to shift the, not only the well-being of their people, but also the performance as well. And really what I'm working on to answer your question is, finding and and the virtual world has really um catapulted me into this a bit more than it did is just ways to help this understanding live beyond the conversations we have in person or in live in virtual so resources ways people can reflect on it self-learn be, been developing some nice resources around that for once people have had a, an experience of the program carry on seeing so that's what i'm doing and and just finding new and interesting ways to try and get people into the conversation because the biggest barrier for this for people and it, and if anyone who's listening now they will have experienced this 15 times in the last 30 minutes is the preoccupation of the mind yeah is the biggest barrier to seeing this that our minds are just conditioned to be preoccupied and not look this way so if you can press pause on that it will help you very cool there we are go and check out peter's qualityofmind.biz like, I think, I, I think you're pretty amazing, Pierce, to be honest, but. Well, back at you, Gary. You. I will echo that one. I will echo that one back at you. Absolutely echo it. So, so, so cool, mate. But thank you for joining us. For anyone that watches this, I'll back on the recording. Again, you'll be able to find it on my LinkedIn page. You'll be able to find this on YouTube as well. So reach out to Pierce. And, um, yes, please. See what happens. Presentation. See where it goes. So on that note, have a great weekend, Pierce. And you, Guy, thank you so much. Right, you can, everyone. Take care. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please reach out and leave us a review and a comment. If you want more info, check out makingchangework.co.uk or Piers Thurston on LinkedIn.